Well, hello, friends and fans of Biblical Genetics. Thank you again for joining us on this amazing quest to understand what DNA is, what it means, and how God designed it. I had a lovely trip down to South Florida for Thanksgiving. Yes, even in the middle of coronavirus, but still, I had to see my parents. They're 83, and um, I don't have many years left with them, so I just needed to go see them. So I made a long, long, long drive all the way to the end of the state. And while I was down there, I said, you know what? There's some really cool natural places around here. So I drove out into the Big Cypress Swamp. It's just to the west of the Everglades. And I stood on the edge of an embankment on a very narrow dirt road. There was an alligator and snake infested swamp right behind me and right in front of me because the road went right down through the middle of the Big Cypress Swamp. It's just one of the most loveliest places that I know. And I know it's hot and it's buggy. And if you watch the video, you'll see me wiping mosquitoes off my face constantly, even though I never actually got bit. They were swarming. And that distracted me a lot from what I had to say. But it still came out okay. I still enjoyed doing this very much. So I have what I hope is going to be an exciting or at least an interesting presentation for you called The Fragility of DNA is the Bane of Darwinism. I'm just going to go through all the things that happened to DNA in the cell. This for me was a surprise because I only know a little bit of what I'm about to present to you. The more I studied it, the more amazing it became. We are absolutely standing on the edge of a knife. If any one of the myriad of DNA repair systems breaks down, we will die very quickly. In my last episode, you might remember, I discussed all that's required to produce a single protein, in this case, a protein using an ATP synthase motor. In this episode, I'm going to discuss a lot of different things that have to happen in order to get DNA just to be maintained in the cell. It is amazingly complicated. It is shocking how much mutation we suffer every single day. And it is wonderful when you consider the processes that God made, the proteins and the mechanisms that are in the cell that allow us even just to live. But that's enough of the intro. I'm just going to jump right into this. Before I do, though, I just want to thank you for my supporters. You people are awesome. Thank you so much. If you would, please rate this show on your podcasting platform and tell other people about it. That would be the biggest thing that you can do for me. Now, I know that I'm not producing these very consistently. I'm trying to do every other week. This one is a third week only because I forgot to record this podcast intro during Thanksgiving week. I did manage to get the video up on Wednesday night, which is probably the worst night ever to put up a video Wednesday before Thanksgiving. But I didn't get around to recording this until just now. Now, this is a Tuesday, which is usually when I release it. So this is a week overdue. I'm going to take the next episode and I'm going to get that out to you within a couple of days, not two in the same day. But my other, um, my next episode called the Improbable DNA Corkscrew, which I also filmed while I was down there, is going to come out this afternoon on YouTube. And I'm going to wait a couple days before I post the podcast version of that. But you'll have this one at least for today. And I hope you do enjoy The Fragility of DNA is the Bane of Darwinism. Welcome to Biblical Genetics. This is Dr. Carter. I'm coming to you from literally my favorite spot on the planet. Now, I know I start a lot of these episodes off with, I love this place. This is my favorite place. Now, this is literally my favorite place. I'm coming to you from Big Cypress National Preserve, just to the west of the Florida Everglades. I'm actually at the bottom of the continental United States. You can't get any further south on a road. In fact, this road that I'm on is called Loop Road. It comes south off of US 41 into the swamps. Now, if you do ever want to come here, I recommend uh, accessing this from the west side. 
The loop road is very long and from the east side there are literally potholes larger than my car. You can't miss it. It's a straight road until a curve and right at the curve is this place called Sweetwater Strand. I've been walking around here for about an hour just soaking in the beautiful environment, loving what I'm seeing. Every once in a while I see a a car that does not belong here driving down the road and these people are probably thinking you know, what have we gotten ourselves into because they already passed a sign that said you know how to not get eaten by alligators and another sign is basically saying warning turn around now or you're going to die and yet they keep on coming granted you know four-wheel drive cars and trucks that's no problem but a surface car you don't want to be here and right now it's hot, it's November, but it's, I'm sweating like a pig. I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes, but this is still an amazing place. There's always an alligator here, usually a big bull sitting on a log. I've seen um, families of otters playing. I just saw a, a pike in the water, Oscars in the water. Oh, Oscars aren't native. Yeah, this ecosystem is very fragile. There's a lot of invasive species that are here. The um, Burmese python is eating up everything. The um, Australian paper tree called Melaleuca. Oh yeah, all you crunchy people know what Melaleuca is. Melaleucas have soaked up half of South Florida and it's a massive effort to try to get rid of them. This is a beautiful place. It's a lovely place. It's a wonderful place, but it's also fragile. The ecosystem can be disturbed to the point where it can actually break. And that's how I want to segue into a discussion on genetics. I want to film a lot of episodes on genetic entropy, and I've got a whole bunch planned. But before we get to genetic entropy, I want to actually talk about DNA and what happens to DNA in the cell. You see, DNA is very fragile. It breaks. In fact, the fragility of DNA is the bane of Darwinism. And that is my topic for today. In my last episode of Biblical Genetics, I talk about the spaghettification of irreducible complexity. I simply talked about the production of a single protein using the ATP synthase motor and how many other things are necessary in order to get that to work and how many of those other things depend upon the working of the ATP synthase motor in order to be produced or to function. It's a massive, massive, massive problem for any origin of life scenario. Another problem is the maintenance of DNA. Now forget about the origin of DNA. That's a, a giant Pandora's box for the evolutionists. Let's just talk about the maintenance of DNA. We have to understand that in every one of our 100 trillion cells, we have about 1 million lesions or mutations per day. Most of those are fixed, some are not, which is why as we get older we start to accumulate mutations, which is why cancer forms, which is why um, heritable genetic mutations appear occasionally in some family line, because not every single mutation is fixed, but almost all of them are. And if that wasn't true, we would already be dead. In fact, there are some genetic abnormalities that, that people can grow up with if they have a defective DNA repair system of just one of the many, they might be more liable to cancer or they have some developmental defects. There are all sorts of ways that DNA has to be maintained in the cell or you get eaten alive by mosquitoes. But there are a lot of different ways to mutate DNA. Each of the four letters can have different chemical reactions. You can have physical breakage can occur. You can have uh, ultraviolet light or x-rays can damage DNA. And each one of those different types of mutations requires a different DNA repair system. And the DNA repair systems are very complex. So you can't get DNA unless you have DNA repair systems and the DNA repair systems depend upon DNA. I want to read you a quote from an article in sciencedaily.com. This is from 
10 years ago. Now in the last 10 years, our understanding of the genome has only amplified. It is amazing what we've learned in the last decade. But even 10 years ago, this is what they were saying. After quoting a famous scientist who says, actually DNA is highly reactive, they go on to say, on a good day, about 1 million bases in the DNA in a human cell are damaged. These lesions are caused by a combination of normal chemical activity within the cell and exposure to radiation and toxins coming from environmental sources. So in other words, we have known that DNA is very chemically unstable for a long time. What do we know today? Well, I'm going to refer you to a review article written in 2017 by Chatterjee and Walker called Mechanisms of DNA Damage, Repair, and Mutagenesis. And they basically summarize all the things that we know today about how this system works. And they say there's at least five major DNA repair pathways. Now follow me here, this is going to be a little complicated. Base excision repair, nucleotide excision repair, mismatch repair, homologous recombination, and non-homologous end joining. If you don't know what those things mean, don't worry about it. Just understand there's a lot of complex things happening behind the scenes. These things are active throughout different stages of the cell cycle, allowing the cells to repair the DNA damage. A few specific lesions can also be removed by direct chemical reversal and interstrand cross-linked, or ICL, repair. Whoa, okay, now let's dig into this a little bit. I will explain these in simple terms, I promise. Nothing highfalutin, nothing that we can't understand because my goal here is to show you how wonderfully designed we are. There are two different types of mutations. Mutations that develop on the inside and mutations that come from the outside. On the inside, water, oxygen or ROS, uh, reactive oxygen species, are seeking to destroy DNA. And DNA is constantly being chemically attacked by chemicals that are already inside the cell. But DNA is also being attacked from the outside. Cosmic rays coming down from outer space. Maybe you go to the dentist and get an x-ray, which by the way is not dangerous, it's a tiny little dose of, of x-rays. No big deal. Also inside the cell, we have a, an enzyme called topoisomerase. Now topoisomerase sits in front of the what's called the replication fork, which I discussed on my last episode. When DNA is being copied, it has to open up. But when it opens up, it causes a too much twisting so a enzyme literally snicks the DNA and unwinds the twists, called topoisomerase. But it can make mistakes and that actually induces mutations sometimes. So we have things designed to help DNA that actually can hurt DNA and it's a big problem. Inside mutations, outside mutations. Mutations that are random that happen in the cell, mutations that are random come from outside. And all that adds together to make a big problem for origin of life scenarios. One of the single most common reactions that happens to DNA in the cell is called deamination. The A, the C, and the G, adenine, guanine, and cytosine, those three letters of DNA, they have what's called an amine, an NH2 group sticking off. You might have heard of ammonia, well the chemical formula of ammonia is NH3. So an amine is NH2. It's sticking off of those nucleotides and it can literally be ripped off by chemicals happens all the time in your cell and it causes mutation. But all those mutations have to be taken care of by DNA repair enzymes. One of them in particular, if you have a, a uracil, if you have a cytosine that it gets deaminated, it turns into uracil. Uracil is an RNA, not DNA. It's not supposed to be there. So an enzyme called uracil DNA glycosylase comes by and chops it out and fixes it usually. Every once in a while one of them escapes detection and that is the source of a new mutation. But all three of those letters in the DNA are constantly being deaminated. In fact, probably 10,000 times per day, 
per cell. That is a lot of mutation. So you have to fix it, you have to have an exonuclease that cuts out the letter and throws it away and repairs it, etc., etc. And all of those things are very finely tuned protein machines that, that, that work with the DNA in a very special way. It's almost like um, it's almost like molecular scissors. It's like God designed these systems that can go down to a single atom level. Say, oh, that atom is not supposed to be there. I'm going to remove this chemical and replace it with the proper one. We cannot do that. We're not smart enough to make chemical changes like that. Biochemists and physical chemists and organic chemists, they do things in test tubes on mass scale. Nobody can operate one letter, one atom, one molecule at a time but life does or life would not exist. And speaking of the reactive oxygen species, these things are terrible for the cell. Oxygen is a poison. Oxygen destroys things. We have to get rid of oxygen or we die. So we have things like superoxide dismutase and catalase and peroxyredoxin. In fact, there's about 2,300 mutations per hour per cell because of reactive oxygen species. You've got 60 to 100 trillion cells in your body. 60 to 100 trillion cells times 2300 per hour, we are fixing oxygen constantly. Oxygen will kill us all. So we have life and we have oxygen and we have DNA. Without those DNA repair systems, life would be impossible and yet here we are. There's another DNA process that happens in the cells, actually an accidental byproduct of a very important process called DNA methylation. One primary way that your body turns genes on and turns them off is by sticking a carbon, a methyl, a CH3. So three hydrogens, carbon makes four bonds. The fourth bond is to the DNA strand itself. And when that is stuck on the DNA, the polymerase is strolling down the DNA. They hit that and they get stuck and they can't actually make a copy of that stretch of DNA. So they turn that DNA off. But these enzymes sometimes accidentally hit an important part of DNA that's not supposed to be turned off. And sometimes they kind of miss and make a mutation as they're acting. And so you have about four or 5,000 of these every single day in every cell of your body. Now, usually they get fixed, but not always. That's part of genetic entropy, which we will get to in a future episode. Ionizing radiation like x-rays and cosmic rays, they destroy DNA and cause very characteristic mutations that have to be fixed. But ultraviolet light, specifically UVC, the shortest wave of ultraviolet light, it damages DNA by cross-linking letters in DNA. If you have two pyrimidines, like a C or a T, CC, TT, or CT next to each other in the DNA strand, ultraviolet light will cause it to circularize and it causes a kink in the DNA. So it ruins the DNA folding patterns. And then the polymerases are coming down the strand. They run into this thing like, that's not A, C, G, or T. What do I do with that? Well, other polymerases that aren't quite as specific, they can still go through that area. But when they get to that cross-linked place, they have to guess. This is a mutation-inducing mechanism. And yet it allows us to stay alive despite the fact that we might have this cross-reacted uh, DNA circle in our DNA. There are all sorts of chemicals that cause exogenous DNA mutations. I mean, our foods, we eat things constantly that have mutation-causing chemicals in them. You put a steak on the grill, oh, it's so yummy, but that black coating on the steak is coated with things that are definitely cancer-causing. And yet, I'm not afraid to eat it. Why? Because all of our food is full of things that are cancer-causing. Our foods are full of toxins, things if we concentrated it, it would kill us dead. You take a spoonful of that and 
you're gone. There's a certain background level of mutations happening all the time, both from endogenous and exogenous sources. It is inescapable, and yet our God created a system that can survive all of that mutation. So there's my quick and dirty, overly brief and overly complicated explanation of where DNA mutations come from. There'll be references in the show notes if you want to go further. I would encourage you, if you're a student of biology, if you're a student of creation, to read about the exquisite details of God's creation. And DNA repair enzyme systems, I know it's like this esoteric, super nerdy field, but it is amazing, specifically because without them, we would be dead. Before I go, I just want to thank all my supporters. You people are wonderful. If you would like to support this show, biblicalgenetics.com has the links. The show notes below have the links. You can go to patreon.com or you can go to buymeacoffee.com and just search for biblical genetics. It'll pop right up. Yeah, so I just found out that one of those boot loops is a really good wire stripper. I went to stand up and this thing was hooked on my, uh, my boot loop and I didn't realize it. And I just, well, so much for this microphone. Glad I got a spare.